Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. If you have a Bible with you tonight, I want to encourage you to open it with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I was thinking recently... Uh, about the number of sermons that I've heard in my life. And I don't have an exact number tonight. I've kept no tally of all the sermons and church services that I have set in. Uh, but if I, just looking at simple math, um, conservatively, uh, it's very likely that I've probably heard somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 to 4,000 sermons preached in my lifetime. And uh, that's um, a great testimony of God's grace in my life, that he has allowed me uh, to sit under the preaching of his word uh, for that many occasions. Uh, I would be lying to you uh, if I could say to you tonight, if I would say to you tonight, that I can remember all 4,000 of those sermons. That's absolutely not the case. Uh, but as I was thinking about the number of sermons that the Lord has, has let me listen to in my uh, lifetime thus far, uh, I was also thinking about some of the sermons that I've heard preached that had the most profound impacts upon me. And uh, it's certainly far fewer than the 4,000. Every sermon certainly uh, is a meal spiritually that the Lord uses to sustain us and to nourish us, to grow us uh, spiritually. Uh, but just like our, our physical meals, there are some uh, that we can always remember quite well, whether for the location or the atmosphere or just the, the plate of food that was set before us. We don't remember every meal, but some we can certainly look back and reflect upon. And, and so it is with, with me and the sermons that I've heard in my life up to this point. Uh, I, I can remember some that really did uh, the Lord just used at an important time of my life or a word was shared in that sermon that uh, the Lord really used to direct my life. But one of those sermons came when I was probably about 20, 21 years old. And it was preached by a gentleman by the name of Scott Kay. Uh, I didn't know Scott well at that time. I was familiar with his ministry. Uh, I, I was able to listen to him preach on the radio on Sunday mornings as I was driving to the church that I was attending. And uh, somewhere you know, about 20 years of age, he was uh, in a service with us at the church that I was at, and uh, he preached a sermon. And uh, it, it was one of those sermons that God just really used in my life to, to bring a lot of pieces of the puzzle together. I remember leaving that night after he preached and, and just kind of in awe, not at him, uh, but at what he had shared from God's Word and how it really brought into focus for me uh, a lot of things that I'd been wondering about and, and wrestling through uh, in, in Scripture and in my walk with God. But the thing that Scott K. said that night over and over again, and really the heart of his message was this. The measure of your pleasure is the measure of your treasure. 
The measure of your pleasure is the measure of your treasure. Now that's a a catchy statement, and perhaps that's one of the reasons why I can remember that sermon that he preached so well. Um, it, It was really interesting. Scott preached that sermon when I was probably 20, 21 years old, and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't know Scott all that well, didn't really uh, keep up with him after that sermon, but we were able to connect uh, probably 15 years after that. We were at a conference, and uh, I, I happened to see him and heard his name, and so we uh, met up afterwards, and uh, he, he remembered being in that church service, and he actually remembered that sermon that he preached, and I shared with him that phrase that I just shared with you, the measure of your pleasure is the measure of your treasure, and uh, it was just a, a neat experience to be able to reminisce about what God did in that, that sermon in my life. But the measure of your pleasure is the measure of your treasure. It really is a true statement. By pleasure, what Scott meant that night was our joy. The measure of joy that you experience in life is, in, in reality, a testimony to that which you treasure most. And many people in life today are trying to find the treasure that will satisfy them. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the statistic statistic that tells us uh, that the majority of lottery winners across the globe, those who strike it rich and win the lottery, they win the big one, they pick the right numbers, they scratch off the right card, they win the big one, that the majority of them, uh, really their lives get even worse after they think they've found the greatest treasure they could ever have in life. It doesn't turn out the way that they expected it to. And the reality is, is that the treasure that they were banking on wasn't one that could truly satisfy. The measure of your pleasure is really the measure of your treasure. I don't even remember the text that Scott K. preached that night, But a text that certainly captures that truth that the Lord spoke into my heart through him that evening is what we find in Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13, verses 45, excuse me, verses 44 uh, through 46. In Matthew 13, Jesus is teaching his disciples through parables, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And in verses 44 through 46, he actually gives us two parables centered around the same theme, and they deal with treasure. And I want us to think about this tonight. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, hear the word of God. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. May the Lord bless tonight the reading and the teaching of his word. These two parables centered around one theme teach us the reality that the measure of your pleasure is the measure of your treasure. That's the central theme in Jesus giving us these stories. One about a hidden treasure and the other about a pearl of great price. What Jesus is aiming to do in giving us these parables 
is to teach us what it means to know God as your greatest treasure. To know God as your greatest treasure. Sometimes you'll hear me use that phrase uh, in a prayer, especially uh, as I'm leading the prayer time centered around our offertory and our giving uh, as part of worship on Sundays. Uh, Lord, we give back to you today as a testimony of you being our great treasure, our greatest treasure. But what does that mean? What does it mean to know God as your greatest treasure? Well, that's what Jesus is telling us here in these two parables. And I think as we look at them a little bit closer, we'll discover there are four things, four things in these stories that Jesus gives us that help us understand what it means to know God as your greatest treasure. First of all, to know God as your greatest treasure means that you have made a great discovery, a great discovery. These two stories that Jesus gives us here in his teaching through parables in in Matthew 13, they center on the kingdom of heaven and its discovery as one would find a great treasure. We hear it in his words, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And in the second one, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. It's treasure that is discovered, that's at the heart of these stories. And the the treasure that Jesus is relating to us and the truth that he gives us in this fashion is that of the kingdom of heaven. As Jesus tells us the parables, in one instance, it's like buried treasure discovered in a field and that field being bought. And the other, it's like a businessman making his greatest purchase and, and find ever. Jesus says, this is what it's like for the one who discovers the kingdom of heaven. But what does he mean with the phrase kingdom of heaven? What does he mean kingdom of heaven as our ultimate treasure? Well, I think we've got to realize that in using the language kingdom of heaven, Jesus is not speaking to us about a place or dominion, but rather he's referring to the saving, redeeming rule and reign of God. When Jesus uses the language kingdom of heaven, uh, he's describing uh, one who has come to know God through the person and gospel of Jesus Christ. John MacArthur says the kingdom of heaven is the realm over which Christ himself is the undisputed king of kings and lord of lords. And all who truly belong to the kingdom of heaven have formally yielded to Christ's lordship. So what Jesus is really teaching us about here and finding great treasure, discovering great treasure in the kingdom of heaven is that he's teaching us that these stories are really about finding salvation in him, salvation in Christ. Jesus is sharing in these parables about those who are in his kingdom, those who have formally yielded to his lordship and come to him for salvation. So here's what Jesus is leading us us to understand. People of the kingdom of heaven, followers of Jesus Christ, those who know him as Lord and Savior, are people who have made Christ their greatest treasure. Jesus is describing here those who are in the kingdom, 
as being those who have discovered salvation in Jesus alone. John Piper, in writing about these two parables, says, The parables describe how a person is converted and brought into the kingdom of heaven. He, that is the person, discovers a treasure and is impelled by joy to sell all that he has in order to have this treasure. Piper then concludes, You are converted to Christ when Christ becomes for you a treasure chest of holy joy. So what does it mean to to have God as your greatest treasure? What does it mean to, to know God in this way? It means first and foremost that you have discovered salvation in Jesus Christ. And to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior means that you have taken him as your supreme treasure in life. And if he is not that, then what Jesus is making clear here is if he is not your ultimate treasure, then you have no salvation in him. The great discovery that we make as those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven is that Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure we will ever know in life. I love how Jesus gives us kind of two aspects of this discovery. In each parable, the parable of the hidden treasure in the field and the parable of the pearl of great price, Jesus highlights two experiences of how we can find salvation in him. In the first, in verse 44, uh, Jesus giving us the story of the treasure in the field. Now, this wasn't a treasure that was simply laying on top of a field that somebody discovered, but this was a treasure that would have been buried in the field. And perhaps one was plowing through it or cultivating it in some fashion, and it was discovered. And the treasure being buried out there was the way in which many times people's most valuable possessions would be secured. They didn't have banks like we enjoy today or safety deposit boxes, so the best that they could do was was hide it away somewhere. But in the first parable, a laborer stumbles upon this treasure. He unearths unearths it. He discovers it, even though he wasn't expecting to do so. He wasn't looking for it, but it had suddenly appeared for him. And that's the way some come into the kingdom. That's the way some discover Jesus. They weren't looking for Jesus, but he was looking for them. They suddenly found themselves confronted with the Savior of their soul, and they made him the supreme treasure of Lord of, of, of the supreme treasure and Lord of their lives. We have examples of this in the Bible. This is what happened to Paul on his way to Damascus. Paul didn't head to Damascus looking for Jesus. He went on the way to Damascus to, to wreak havoc on Christians. But suddenly, unexpectedly to him. He encountered the supreme treasure of Jesus Christ. It's the same way in John chapter 4 for the Samaritan woman there at the well. She came there at the noonday uh, because she could avoid the other company. She wasn't expecting to find Jesus there that day, but she did. She encountered him and discovered a man that knew everything about her. Suddenly and unexpected. Maybe that's your testimony tonight. You weren't necessarily looking for Jesus or searching for Jesus or even uh, in, 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 in a spiritual pilgrimage trying to discover meaning of anything. But yet the Lord found you. 
suddenly and unexpected, and he became the great treasure of your life. But in the second parable, the parable of the pearl of great price, Jesus alters the story. It's not one simply unearthing something in a field, but it's a businessman, a a merchant, a professional. And Jesus tells us that he had been searching for this particular buy, for this great pearl. He He had been looking for this, and he suddenly comes across it, and he makes it his ultimate treasure. Oh, these are those in whom the Spirit of God has been working, and they are seeking, and they are searching. They're longing and have been looking for peace and joy and purpose and righteousness. And once seeing Christ, they know they found it in him. This is kind of how Cornelius in Acts chapter 9 came to faith in Jesus. Remember, Luke tells us that he was a God-fearing man. And yet, in the divine arrangement and orchestration, the Lord had Peter go to him and share with him the good news concerning Jesus Christ. Some find it suddenly, some find it as they're seeking But at the bottom of it all, Jesus is telling us those who find this great treasure, those who make this great discovery, they come to claim Jesus as the most valuable thing in their life, the greatest treasure they'll ever have. So what does it mean to know God is your great treasure? Number one, it means you've discovered Jesus. Number two, in these parables, Jesus tells us To make God your great treasure means that you make a great sacrifice. You make a great sacrifice. There is a high cost of holy living. Jesus teaches us, even in these parables, but in other places of his earthly ministry, that we must count the cost of entering the kingdom of heaven. Now let me be clear, Jesus isn't teaching us that we can buy our way into the kingdom. Rather, he's showing that to be in the kingdom means that we are willing to let everything else go in order to have Christ as our great treasure. Let me say that again. Jesus is showing us that to be in the kingdom, to experience salvation... To have Christ as your great treasure means that you are willing to let everything else go. If I'm honest with you this evening, I think we've made it far too simple in our culture today to be a follower of Christ. I think we've preached far too simple of a gospel. Now, it's simplistic in that we come to to believe in Jesus through faith alone, and it's only by faith that we are saved and justified. But there's a high cost to following Jesus. It is Jesus plus nothing else. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus would tell us in Luke 9, he would tell us here in Matthew as well, uh, that if you want to follow me, understand this. The foxes have their dens and the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. There's a high cost of following Jesus. It means that we let everything else go. He is number one and will be no place else. Both the laborer in the first parable and the merchant in the second, they were willing to forsake everything to have this greatest treasure that they had found. The man had to have the treasure 
The merchant had to have the pearl more than anything else in life. He goes and sells all that he has. The merchant went and sold all that he had. To have God as our treasure, we must be willing to do the same thing. We must be willing to let goods and kindreds go, this mortal life also, in order to have Christ and Christ alone. This is what Paul gave us his testimony. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. Paul professed, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For Paul, there was no faith without counting all as loss to have Christ. There's no gaining of Christ if we still long to grab hold of lesser things. Again, John Piper's words on these verses prove helpful. He says, if you don't come to Jesus because I am a greater treasure than all these things that you have left, then you don't come to him at all. He goes on and adds, if we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. Simply put, You can't have multiple treasures in life. There's only one. Jesus. God. The greatest. They made a great discovery. They made a great sacrifice. But number three, to have God as a great treasure, as your greatest treasure, means that you'll experience great joy you'll experience great joy. This is what Scott Kay was getting at in that sermon that struck me so many years ago. The measure of your pleasure is the measure of your treasure. What we find here in these stories that Jesus gives us is that both of these individuals, the farmer in the field and the merchant in the market, they experienced unimaginable joy unimaginable joy what we realize is that the loss of all things letting go of everything else is not a sad thing if in return we gain the greatest thing christ and to have jesus truly is to have unending joy in psalm 16 11, David proclaimed, in his presence there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. You know why so many people in our world today are miserable? Why so many people today, their lives seem empty and hopeless? Because they've got the wrong treasure. And the things that they're trying to hold on to and the things they're trying to accumulate and the things that they're trying to look to to give them joy simply can't do it. They can't provide lasting, unending, full joy. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. 
In John 15, 11, he declared to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The only way you will have full joy is that the joy in you is the joy of Jesus. And the only way we have the joy of Jesus is to make him our great treasure. In verse 44, Jesus made it crystal clear. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field and get that treasure. In his joy, in joy, this man had the biggest yard sale they'd ever seen in his day. In his joy, he got rid of everything that he counted once dear to him. Why? Because he had found something greater. There's incomparable joy in having Jesus as your supreme treasure. The man and the merchant were filled with joy because they found what would ultimately satisfy. And so it is for every person who finds Christ as Lord and Savior. Ultimately, where there is no joy means there is no Jesus. And so many people today lack joy because they don't have Jesus. The measure of your pleasure is the measure of your treasure. And then finally tonight, what we see in these parables that Jesus teaches us is that to have God, to have Jesus as your supreme treasure, means not only that you've made a great discovery in the gospel, Not only have you made a great sacrifice of letting go of lesser things to have the greatest thing, not only do you experience great joy, but finally, you receive a great bargain. You receive a great bargain. If I told you tonight that I had something for sale, and it would cost you $1,000, would you buy it? If I told you I had something for sale tonight that cost $1,000, would you buy it? Exactly. That should be the question that every one of you should ask. What is it? What is it that you are selling? If I told you I was offering to you tonight for $1,000, a Hot Wheels car, there's not a chance that one of you in here would buy it. You could go to Walmart tonight and buy a thousand of them for a thousand dollars. There's no way that you would take one Hot Wheels car for a thousand dollars. That's no deal at all. But yet, if I told you for a thousand dollars tonight, I would offer to you a brand new 2021 Corvette. You'd take it instantly, wouldn't you? Instantly. $1,000 for a brand new, even though it's mid-engine now, a brand new 2021 Corvette, even if you didn't have the cash on hand tonight, you'd go and do whatever it would take to get it. You'd sell anything to get to $1,000. Why? Because that's a bargain of a deal, isn't it? I mean, we could even lower it from a a Corvette to a car that runs. That's a deal. 
It's a deal. The same is true in our text today. What Jesus teaches us here is that there is an eternally happy trade-off. The kingdom of God that he speaks about. That relationship that comes to us with God through the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, is so infinitely valuable that losing everything here on this earth, but getting the kingdom, the relationship in its place, is a happy trade-off. That should we lose everything in this life, should we lose every other relationship, Should we lose all that we have sought to attain up to this point, but yet we get God. We've got it all. See, the reality is you really give up nothing when you give up everything because what you really get is then the whole world. You really give up nothing when you give up everything because what you really get then is the whole world. And that's the bargain of a deal, isn't it? For what we are giving up, what we let go of to make Christ our supreme treasure, is only temporary and fading. But what we get in return is eternal and unending. What we get is God and life with Him forever. You're familiar with the words of the martyred missionary Jim Elliott. Lost his life at the end of a spear to the Indians that he was trying to reach with the gospel. Before his death, he would write in his diary those words that have been repeated over and over and over again. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. It's a great bargain to give up that which we can't keep in order to gain Jesus Christ in whom we will never lose. Jesus teaches us in these stories what it means to have him, to have God, as our ultimate treasure. And when we find out that that's the case, what we discover is the ultimate pleasure as well. So if you find yourself throughout life, throughout seasons, and the pleasure of your life, the joy of your life is waning thin or running low, maybe you need to evaluate, evaluate what you're looking at as your ultimate treasure your most prized possession. For if it's something in this world, you'll never find true satisfaction. But if you'll make Jesus your ultimate treasure, in this life and the life to come, joy unending will be yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And we pray that your spirit would write these words upon our hearts so we may live by them and glorify you. Father, we pray tonight that you would help us 
to live in such a way that would display to all who would know us and all who would watch us that you are our ultimate treasure. And that we would let go with joy of everything else that this world would seek to allure us with. Father, help us to realize that if we've got Jesus, we truly do have everything. Father, I pray for these who are before me tonight. God, that they would go with great joy in Jesus. They would go with your face shining down upon them, with your spirit filling them. And they would go to glorify you in all that they do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.